This is Joshua Bell with the Kilt and the Cloth. This was my sermon from May 9th, 2021. I hope you enjoy. God bless. My scripture this morning is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 9 through 17, as we continue our discussion on this passage. If you'd like to follow along as I read aloud, it is found in your pew Bibles on page 104 in the New Testament section of that. As the Father has loved me, So I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. And I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. Now, usually, there's several texts that you can read on a Sunday that we call a part of the lectionary reading of texts. Usually a psalm. There's usually a gospel reading and an epistle reading, which is a letter from Paul. And sometimes there's a Hebrew Bible reading that usually kind of, they don't ever match. (laughs) The goal is, is that if you read these lectionary readings, that throughout the year you will have hit, as I like to refer to it as, the highlights of the entire Bible in three years. Well, one of the texts this morning is from from Paul, and he talks about the fruits of the Spirit, or the gifts of the Spirit. And John here is obviously, for one time ever, (laughs) the lectionary has a a complementary passages of Scripture, where the epistle and the gospel lesson somehow work together. In Paul's words... The writer portrays the Christ Messiah story as speaking about being loved by the Father and the Son. And because of this love, the Christ follower also is called to love one another. So love, then, translates into a sense of obedience, service, even to the yielding up of one's life on the behalf of others. Jesus goes on to say that such a loving, giving life is not selected from the suit rack at the whim of a personal choice. But the reversed Christ chooses us to flourish and to be successful in our calling 
The gospel lesson then closes with the theme that goes throughout this idea that he says to you that the commandment is to love one another. In this moment, you start to see an interweaving of the traditional image of the vine at the beginning of chapter 15, which we read last week, with that of the language that speaks directly of Jesus and his disciples. The language indeed changes to and fro between the literal and the metaphorical in such a way that would be bewildering and it's confusing sometimes. If the reader were not conscious all through that all the statements made really referred to Christ and his disciples under the symbol of a vine and its branches. It happens, right? Preachers reading the scripture, you're trying to pay attention, but like yesterday, you decided to go, I don't know, hike seven miles without wearing sunscreen, and you've been fighting the wind for the entire seven miles and decided that you were on some sort of speed record and tried to get it done as quickly as possible. And then you go to bed, waking up the next morning knowing that I have so much to do because it's Mother's Day. And that means that we've got to do certain special things for our mothers and the, the mother-like people in our lives. For example, my wife is not here right now. She is with my mother-in-law. And she has Quentin and the devil beast new puppy that we have. <laughs> and in this moment, I know that I'm, I'm, my job is today to do something special for Carmen. So she wants homemade chicken parmesan. So this afternoon, I will take a nap and then go to Homeland and buy chicken parmesan. Yeah, no, I'll be making it. But we do these things because we love this moment. We want to show love. We want to honor those that have been there for us. In this particular passage of Scripture, Jesus is literally saying, because of his love, he has appointed each of you, has anointed each of you, to be vessels of that love. And then every time that you express this love, you do it in such a way that shows honor to one another as well as to God. Anointing is something that we don't really talk about a lot in the Christian church, Disciples of Christ. It, it, just, it just doesn't necessarily roll off the tongue with us very well. Not because we necessarily disapprove of it. It's just not something that we've ever really done. Some of you have been anointed at birth. That were what we would call baptism. You were anointed with water sprinkling on your head as a child or as a, as a baby. Some of you were anointed with maybe with oil while you were in the hospital. All of these things, for some reason in the ancient world... There was a connection to God through the conduit of water and oil. That if I was appointed, if I was anointed, I was to be doing these things as a vessel of God's love. God's love was transferred through the water or the oil. That's why we as the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, 
make baptism such a huge thing. And we talk about baptism as a, as a death to self and alive in the Christ. There's a, there's a conduit, you know, with those things. It's hard for us to understand this type of love. We say we do. We say that we understand this, but we don't necessarily truly understand this. You know, on Mother's Day, we, we try to find ways of celebrating all those that we love, those that were important to us. In, in the ancient world, there were multiple understandings of even God, that they tried to find ways of creating a language that explained the love of God. In Greek, we have a, a feminine, a masculine, and an omnipotent understanding form of God. Sophia, for example, in Greek is this word of wisdom, and it's a feminine noun. The idea is that God could be a part of this, that Sophia is passed on to us. And it's quoted in such a way that he quotes directly from Isaiah, where God is like a mother hen and wraps all of the chicks underneath their arms and embraces them and keeps them safe. It's this beautiful language of love. And to be anointed with that love means that we are something different than the rest of the world. You all know that I grew up in church. And, and growing up in church is, is a little bit weird sometimes because as a preacher's kid, I didn't get a choice if I got to go to church on Sunday like my kids don't get a choice about where they get to go to church on Sunday. But growing up, I have lots of moms. I have lots of aunts. I have lots of grandmothers. These women that shaped my faith and my life because of the love that they had for us. I have to be honest and say that I still have a whole lot of moms. I might be 44 years old, but I have a whole bunch of you right now looking at me this morning that look at me as your son or your nephew or your grandson. I think there's something beautiful about that. And I love having that relationship. But I have to tell you about one mom in particular. I don't usually do this because I like to embarrass my mom if I'm doing it in public, right? But knowing that she's going to watch this later, it still works. If you haven't heard it before, I'm the oldest of six kids. We had three biological kids and three that were given to us by God. And only one of them that's perfect. And that would be my youngest sister, Tiffany. <laughs> but my mom never, ever saw a stranger. And she always, always had this understanding of this love for others. She always 
still does this. It's, just, it's actually sometimes a little annoying. We can't go anywhere without her having to show this motherly love to people, complete, total, utter strangers. She finds on the side of the road and she becomes their mom. You can imagine what Thanksgivings were like because we always like to do stuff. But my mom never really had a stranger because when we were in the Navy, when you're away from the United States, you try to find things that still connect you to where you're from, right? So Thanksgiving was one of those things. <clears throat> so my mom, being the ombudsman of the ship, would invite families to come over to our house for Thanksgiving. And that was just always a part of our life. We just had these random people coming into our homes that felt this love from my mom. I remember one time my, my mom was going to school at OCU and she was finishing her master's degree in, in vocal performance. And while she was there, she, we never knew what Thanksgiving was going to be like because she would go, and I, I swear, I, I, I said this at the 815, but I have this distinct memory of my dad having to drive the church bus from the First Christian Church in Chickasha to the campus at OCU where they would pick up 10 or 12 foreign exchange students and then they would take them shopping so that they would come to our house and would cook food that they would cook for their families. And we never knew what we were going to have for Thanksgiving. I mean, I'm not kidding, ever. So I remember this one year we came and there's, there, we walk in the door and there's Korean bulgogi, there's turkey, there's dressing, there's uh, some weird stuffing with oysters that my dad decided to make. I mean, there was all of this stuff from all of these different countries Homemade enchiladas, I mean, you name it. It was like this smorgasbord, and there was plenty of food for all. And if we had more, my mom would go and find other people to bring into the home so that we would feed it because we don't do leftovers. My mom never, ever met a stranger and did not express that love. And I feel the same way at our church. You embraced my family four years ago in such a way that I have a new family, an extended part of my family. I've been very fortunate in all the congregations that I've served. I can always say that they are a part of my family. And you adopted us in such a way that it makes us feel like we're a part of a home, right? This is our family. And not just me, other individuals have found the presence of God in this place because of the love that you've expressed to them. The love that draws them here to this place. Now here's the thing that's a little bit weird. You know when Jesus is talking to his disciples, you know that as he's talking to them, here that he's telling them to love everyone. And you all know what it's like to have family members. And there's always that one that, well, challenges that love a little bit. I like to refer to it as, I don't necessarily have to like that person in my family, but I do know that I have to love them. You know the disciples, as they're hearing this, they're like, yeah, okay, whatever, Jesus. Who are you going to hang out with this week that we don't want to hang out with? What other person that the community is uncomfortable with are we going to have to walk you away from? 
Have you ever noticed that with the disciples and Jesus? He's talking to a prostitute all by himself. The disciples come over. Hey, Jesus, what are you doing? Uh, maybe we shouldn't have this conversation. He's talking to a tax collector. I mean, I, I, I think Zacchaeus was way taller than they give him credit for. There's nothing wrong with being vertically challenged, but everybody didn't like him. And why didn't anybody like him? Well, because he's a tax collector. And because of his job, no one liked him. Now, I'm not going to say that Zacchaeus was innocent, right? We all know that happened. We know that he evidently had ripped off a few people. But Jesus approaches him with love first. You all remember the song, right? Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. He approaches everything with love first. He doesn't care about the human emotion of like. Can you imagine what the world would look like if we started with love first versus our own opinions? Would it look like what our Thanksgiving was growing up where the table was just overflowing with food and there's just people coming in and going all the time where no one left hungry? What if it was just we go out into the world and just remember that you are a part of the vine and the branches? This is my favorite part of this story. You see, the beautiful part about it is if we started with love first as the vine and each of you become a branch, there's no way that you can reach upward and outward without being in contact with another human being. And we become interwoven with one another Expressing that love that started from the vine. That love. Each of us have people in our life that taught us about our faith. That walked along with us when we tripped and fell and dusted us off, picked us back up and said... Let's get back on track. Each of us have found that experience of love by just a simple expression of that love. That's not a simple type of love. He says to us, he says, this is my commandment. How is your love for Christ evident at this place in your life? Some of us might need to check our souls. Might need to check on, on ourselves. See where we're at. Some of us might need to find that love with God in such a way that we experience God's love for the very first time. Free of judgment. Free of worrying about what the world has to say about it. Maybe for us, it's that simple understanding that we come to this place of solace. Feeling the arms of God wrapping around us like a mother hen. Providing a place of safety and comfort. Maybe. Maybe just 
baby. We started with love first. We would truly understood what it means to follow his commandment of loving one another. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.